It is Thursday, October 20th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who believes complimentary barbecue is winning barbecue, J.P. Shatrick. Do I want the platter? Yes, I want it all. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. I'm J.P. Shadrick. It's Thursday. It's week seven. The Giants and the Jaguars coming up at the bank in a busy two hours ahead. Analyst Jeff Lagerman coming up shortly. We'll hear from him about this Giants-Jaguars matchup. The defense with their hands full against the run this week. Saquon Barkley, one of the top running backs in the NFL. The offense trying to build some momentum, and they felt like they did a little of that last week in a losing effort in Indianapolis for the Jags. Then at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the head coach coming up and get his thoughts on this matchup at the bank this week. The Jaguars continued preparation for this week's seven game today. Shaquille Griffin off to the side on the exercise bike during the open media portion of practice. The full injury report coming up in just a little bit. Defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell today said he still has confidence in the veteran corner. Oh, it's still there. It's still there. You know, they make plays, we make plays, but we just have to make more plays. And we have a confidence that Shaq can go back out there and do it. Uh, there's no loss of confidence in him. We're just ready uh, for him to get another shot. We'll see what happens on that injury report when it comes out a little bit later today. The challenge this week, though, for the, Jag- for the Jags defense is running back Saquon Barkley, of course. Defensive tackle Devon Hamilton this week explaining the running style. He's explosive. I mean, more than anything, I mean, he can run the ball, he can juke, he can run you over, he can go around you. So it's just so difficult, so dynamic for the player. The Jaguars as a whole this year uh, fared well against the run, except really for the Eagles game when the Eagles went over 200 on the ground. Now to the offense, Trevor Lawrence earlier this week on the play designs by the offensive coaching staff and how they work different players open. They do a good job. Um, Our staff is really creative. does a good job scheming things up and at the right time too. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that you know we might have and um, we decide not to call it or we decide to just put it on the back burner for a week or two just because we don't feel like it's the right time or that we're ready to do that one yet. So you know that, I think we're really smart with how we do things and uh, coach especially. So I think they do a great job with that. And yeah, it's fun seeing um, all those plays as they go in and you know it's it's, it's always cool to see the, the guys they put in different situations, different positions. Um, and obviously when they're successful, that's, that's great. One of those play designers is offensive coordinator Press Taylor, of course. He explains his approach when Doug Peterson goes forward on fourth downs. It's great knowing you got extra downs sometimes to get a first down. It's, it's third and two, and you think, all right, if we just get half here or we try something, there's a good chance we got another down. So you can be aggressive in that mindset um, in terms of scheming things up, designing some plays. Um, but then you just know he's doing whatever it takes to win. He's trying to give us an opportunity to win the game uh, at each situation. So th- that's that's fun to be a part of. Uh, it is fun. Certainly a lot more fun when it works out, and they'll keep being aggressive. That's the nature of head coach Doug Peterson, of course. And we'll hear from the head coach now. Earlier this week on Wednesday, the Giants have finished in the fourth quarter in a number of games this year, rallying from two scores down a few times this season. There are similarities between the teams, but for Peterson, it's all about the Jags. There are a lot of similarities, you know, when you look at the, the, the scoring, you know, you look at scoring by quarter, there's a lot of, a lot of similarities there, both teams. I think, I think the number one thing that, that we just have to focus on is us, you know, and making sure that, you know, we make plays in, fourth, in the fourth quarter. And we haven't done that well enough, you know, this year, or consistent enough, you know, where, where they are. And, and um, 
you know, they're they're making those plays. They're in the right spot at the right time. And then, you know, and that's kind of the way this league goes. Sometimes the ball bounces in your favor, and 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 give them credit. They're they're in the right position to make those plays. Um, and that's something that, you know, each week that we we learn from ours, and you know, try to be in position each week each week to you know to come up with the ball or to make the play that that wins you the game. More with head coach Doug Peterson coming up at 5 o'clock on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. The Giants-Jaguars game is presented by Florida Blue. Florida's Blue Cross and Blue Shield Company has been providing health insurance to residents of Florida for more than 75 years, driven by its mission of helping people and communities achieve better health. Learn more at floridablue.com. Jeff Lagerman joining us now ahead of this Giants-Jaguars matchup. Good afternoon to you, Logs. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing really good. Okay. Looking forward to this game this week. You know, it's uh, going to snap the skid here, three in a row. Well, I mean, yeah, and then you've got a good football team coming in here with a good record, and uh, you kind of got, um, I guess you could say this is the the Tom Coughlin game, you know. You kind of got a, a little bit of a marriage there between the two organizations through Tom Coughlin. But it's going to be interesting from the standpoint of I think the Jaguars are going to play well. What I'm, makes I'm, gonna, you say, I'm gonna start out and say that right now. Okay, you're throwing that out there, so let's um, let's dig into that. What <laughs> do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that this football team has played well across all spectrums of their team, but they just haven't been able to to make it happen a lot consistently to where all three facets of the game are playing well each week. You know, last week it was the defense that didn't play well. The week before that it was the offense. In Philadelphia it was the offensive giveaways. And uh, the defense a little bit as well. But if they just start making plays that are there, if they stop having the self-inflicted wounds, so to speak, of, then I think this team is a really good football team. It's been competitive in every game that they've played. And this Giants football team, when I watch them, I see a good football team because they're winning, but I don't see an elite team by any means. So, you know, is there a tone around here or something this week that makes you no. feel that? Or is it no. just time? No, I think I think it's, it's just a, you know, first of all, I thought last week, even though a lot of people don't look at it this way, I thought last week was a really big step for the quarterback and the offense as a whole. They showed that they could get a drive when they needed it. Big time. And that was, I thought, was outstanding. And, and to be able to put, to, to, uh, to put together 18 play drives at crunch time, that's hard to do at any time. But to do it at crunch time, it's damn near impossible. And they were able to do it. And the third and 13th throw that Trevor Lawrence had was, it was a wow moment for me. When I, I, I saw it and I was like, wow, that was a great play. And that's just, I think, a, a sample of what he can do. I mean, I like the fact that he was willing to use his legs in some instances. Some cases he did not make the right decision where he rolled out into a sack. And, uh, and he's got to correct one thing. You don't ever run out of bounds and take a sack. Your offensive lineman will not like you for that. Just throw it away. <laughs> throw it away. You know, don't take the two-yard loss. Right. But, um, but, yeah, I thought that that was a big game for him. Uh, I think the coaching staff did a phenomenal job of instilling confidence and success in him through the game because he was coming off what was two really tough performances. He regressed from the Philly game to the Texans game as a passer. 
Now, the Philly game was worse just because of the number of, of, of giveaways that he had. But as a passer, the game against Houston wasn't very good. I thought this game, he was obviously highly efficient, you know, 20 of 22. I don't think Daniel Jones has ever come close to completing that type of percentage in his career yet. So kudos to Trevor. Kudos to the offense. Shame on the defense for not finding a way to make a play. I was going to say, yeah. And then there's the defensive performance last week. Matt Ryan stood back there and uh, completed 42 balls, a career high for a 15-year quarterback in the NFL. A lot of short things, but there wasn't a lot of consistent heat on him throughout the day as he got it out there. And then when it mattered for them, he finally threw his longest ball of the day on his final throw of the day for the touchdown to win. Yeah, and you can't have a, a rookie second-round pick catch a ball over your prize free agent acquisition from the year before cornerback. You just you just can't have that happening. I mean, that's, it was not a great performance by Shaq Griffin. Now he's on the injury report with a back. And, uh, you know, so I don't know if he's going to play or not. But you like to have the ability. I mean, I, I can tell you that if you have a game like that as an individual, you want to come back and and fight back. Yeah, prove it was a fluke, right? And yeah. uh, and he may not be able to with the back injury, so uh, that's disappointing. I'm sure that he's disappointed in that. But uh, he's got to play better. You know, he he hasn't played poorly all year, but that game was not a good performance. I thought that the first game in Washington was not a good performance. Uh, especially when you gave up that one long pass that many people thought was all on him, but it wasn't, but it was partially on him. I think 50% of the responsibility of that big long ball to Terry McLaurin was on him. you know. And, and he's just got to bounce back. I mean, Shaq, Shaq's got some skills to him now. He's just got to got to hone back in and find his groove and, and get comfortable because he's a good football player when he's on his game. There are 10 other guys on the field also, and there were moments that the defense just couldn't get off the field, and they had other opportunities to do so as well. It wasn't just that one play. No, they, they there was – They could have got off the field. They could have had a, a many more plays. pass rush. They could have had a few other things happen, right? Well, there's – the responsibility in, on the defensive side of the ball, very shared from last week. And, uh, Devin Lloyd didn't have a very good game at all, and uh, that was his worst performance, I think, of the year. You had a lot of miscommunication and execution of some coverage. You got beat in a lot of man coverage from situations and routes that you really shouldn't have gotten beat to where you needed to be up on guys better. And so the, the pass rush wasn't where you needed against the Colts offense that had given up a league-high sacks on Matt Ryan. You didn't impact him and get him off of the spot at times. There was a couple pressures early, but then they seemed to evaporate. And as a defensive front, that was the third lineup that the Colts had gone with with the offensive line in as many weeks. And so the consistency has not been there for the Colts' offensive line, and you weren't able to capitalize. That was disappointing. And then you also made mistakes. You had interference calls. You had a personal foul roughing the passer call again. Mm. And uh, and the awareness from Trayvon has to be there and that you can't put your arm up to block a pass and then follow through and down like a hammer fist style on the quarterback. It's you're gonna get it's gonna get called. And you have to be able to bring that arm down and on that play, if if Trayvon just 
takes it right through the sternum of Matt Ryan, he may not get up. That was the disappointing thing for me on that play was not so much the hand coming down on top of the head, which, by the way. Well, he got him. He got him good. Yeah, yeah, a heck got, of a shot. He got his money's worth, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. But, man, if you, just, if you just drive right through him, it's a legal hit. And Matt Ryan, as old as he is, he may not get up, like I said. This is Jaguars Happy Hour, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. The, the focus this week now on the Giants running game, though. This is one of the top rushing attacks in the NFL, and it's Saquon Barkley. He's fresh off his knee injury. He's look like, he looks like at least he's back to old form. He's number one in the league in carries. Uh, not, excuse me, number two in carries, number one in yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he's pretty much everything to this Giants offense. Well, he's number one in, in total yards from scrimmage, number two in rushing yards. There you go. And – and he is uh, uh, has the most carries per game of any running back in the league. He is the the leading receiver for the Giants' offense. I mean, this offense runs through Saquon Barkley. Make no mistake about it. He's back to the form that he had, and maybe even a little bit better than he was as a rookie, going back to as he was same class to 2018, I believe, with Josh Allen. And Saquon, I think, was the third overall pick in that draft, and he was kind of the toast of the town in New York. And a good football player now. He's healthy after having a couple years where he wasn't. And uh, if they don't have him on offense, I think they're struggling as an offense. The offensive line that they have, it's okay. You got two first-round picks on the outside, one of them from this past year from your university, the University of Alabama, Evan Neal. I think he was like the seventh overall pick in the draft. On the left side, you've got the, the Georgia guy who was a first-round pick a couple years ago, Andrew Thomas, who is the number one rated tackle according to PFF. And watching the film on him, he's a really good football player. The uh, two guards in the center are just kind of okay. And so I think this is a game that uh, you know, the strength of your game, hopefully you get Fadakasi back. The strength of your defense has been your, your big, strong guys up front. You put your big, strong guys against – their guys in the middle that aren't as good, that's not the strength of their offensive line. You dominate that, and then you, you shut down Barkley to not allow him to get going, and I think you've got a great chance. And once you stop Barkley now, the one thing that you've got to be aware of, Daniel Jones can run. That's the one thing I think that scares you more than anything about him. I think as a passer, he's got a capable arm, but he's not a, he's not a great passer. The wide receiving core, they're still trying to kind of figure out who they got. Uh, they're playing some rookies. They've got two guys listed as starters that were inactive last week, <laughs> which is a very curious situation. Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay, and both of these guys, I think, are on the trading block. Hmm. And that's probably why they're listed as starters. Kadarius Tony was a first-round pick, I yes, think, last he year, was. wasn't he? Absolutely. I mean, wow. Absolutely. Talking about uh, falling out of, out of grace fast. That happened quick, for sure. Uh, we've got plenty ahead, of course, in the next hour and 45 minutes. We'll come back with the Jaguars' offense facing this Giants' defense and the Giants' defensive line with some big-time names and another first-round pick who finally made a splash last week for Big Blue. The second hour coming up at 5 o'clock is the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars' head coach. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jacksonville Sports Talk for Jacksonville Sports Fans. 1010XL. 
home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good, bank better. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Thursday afternoon. Coming up at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach coming up. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman, Joe Fortunato, Brent Reaver on the audio and video respectively. And the Jaguars and the Giants coming up. In week number seven, the Jags at two and four, the Giants at five and one. They've rallied a bunch of times in the fourth quarter. The Jaguars have not. Unfortunately, they have not played well. Uh, in late in games especially, they did finally on offense last week, as we mentioned just a minute ago, Logs. They had that 10-minute drive and change and 18 plays and took the lead and ran the ball for the sixth most yards in a single game in franchise history and did a lot of things pretty well on offense, taking what Indy gave them, of course. But now they're facing this Giants defense, and there's some names up front now. Dexter Lawrence has a sack in three consecutive games, big defensive tackle, about 340 pounds. Uh, Leonard Williams is on the squad. Kayvon Thibodeau finally starting to maybe find his way on the edge. Uh, he finally had a sack last week, a forced fumble on that sack fumble to end the game. Yeah, uh, you know, top top five pick. I think he was fifth overall, uh, I believe, uh, out of Oregon. Good player, got lots of bursts, but uh, still kind of trying to figure it out like a lot of young pass rushers do. Trayvon Walker is in the same category. But the sack that he had, many people kind of felt that the game was already secure for the Giants. But nonetheless, the sack caused fumble there at the end of the ball game of Lamar Jackson to kind of – Seal the deal. And uh, the, the big guys up front, uh, for me, I, the guy that I really like is Dexter Lawrence. And Dexter Lawrence is, is more of a nose tackle than he is a three technique. But what's impressive about him is the size and the quickness, the movement skills that he has for kind of a nose tackle type of guy. He's got four sacks, and I think due in large part because Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator who they essentially stole from the Baltimore Ravens, is a really good football coach, really good football coach. And I, I give him a lot of credit because the scheme that he runs I think is uh, creative, and he's also one of, the, one of the players' favorites. And how the Ravens let him go, it's kind of surprising. What are some characteristics of his scheme or schemes, or is there truly one scheme for him? He'll, he'll dial it up, won't he? He's going to dial up a lot of blitzes. I think he blitzes uh, at a rate that's higher than anybody in the National Football League. He's going to play a lot of different coverages. He's going to play a lot of different personnels. He's going to challenge quarterbacks to identify with these different personnel groupings that he has. And, uh, and the other part of him, I think, is that sometimes he can be unpredictable, you know, Rex Ryan used to be a coordinator that would do things that really weren't conventional. And Martindale can every now and again pull something out like that as well to where as a quarterback, there really there's nothing about the defense or the coverage that makes sense. And it's just something he's willing to risk maybe one area to get or gain an extra guy in another area to, to conceal something or to fool the quarterback. And that sometimes can be very difficult and challenging for a quarterback, but the good thing is is that Trevor Lawrence has been very efficient in a lot of games. And if he can continue to be efficient and protect the ball, there's going to be some opportunities for some incredibly big plays in this game because of the number of man opportunities. Because, JP, as you know, you can play all the man you want if you've got the, if you've got the players to be able to cover man, okay? And you can bring the pressure. And 
Name me one New York Giants corner that you think is a really good player. Oof, couldn't tell you. I mean, that's kind of it, right? I mean, Off he's, the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, he's you got a Dory Jackson who, when he yeah. was in Tennessee, was yeah. kind of a nickel guy. Uh, yeah. Fabian Moreau was kind of a journeyman a little bit, not really viewed as being a, a starting quali- high-quality caliber guy. I think I think the Jaguars match up well against the perimeter of this Giants defense very well. So uh, some big plays, huh? I mean, oh, that, I, mean I hope the longest pass play of the year is like forty something yards, is it? Well, I hope. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's a it's a lock. I'm not going to lock. You're not locking that? No, I don't lock. How stuff. many seventy yard touchdowns in this game? Three? You're going? <laughs> oh, you're going over? No, I'm kidding. Of what course. are you talking about? I'm joking, of course. But no, I mean, it's, it'd be nice. It's something that we haven't seen a lot of this year. There's been a lot of, hey, take the easy, check it down. That's fine. But at some point, this is a, a league of big explosive plays. You're not going to have 18 play drives every time. Well, and, it, and also it'll be interesting to see what Wink Martindale, which is kind of funny, right? I mean, wasn't he a TV show host show back <laughs> in the day? Yeah, Game show, like right? Game shows, yeah. So, I mean, how I guess Wink Martindale, I mean, that's became his kind of nickname. Correct. His real name is Don, right? Sure. Is it, is it Don? Whatever. It is Don. Yeah. Don. Wink, Martindale. But will he play the man in the blitz? Because what have we seen the last two teams do against Trevor and have success? They played zone. Lovey Smith played a ton of cover, too. Gus Bradley played a lot of three-deep zone. So will Martindale stick with what he does best even though the last couple of weeks what's worked against Trevor has been more of a zone concept. I think that's going to be fun to watch and to see how he approaches this ball game from a game plan perspective. Longest pass play of the season, 49 yards week one at Washington. Mm-hmm. Yep, And then they had a 45-yarder at Philly. So those are the only who two. Who had over- a 45-yarder at Philly uh, again? Oh, yeah. gosh, who was I can't that? remember that. That's a good question. I think that was Marva. Yeah, it sounds right. Um, but hey, and you know, at some point you got to get it down the field and make some plays in those situations. Well, explosive plays are are everything. And you know, when you know during the course of the game and the broadcast, it's uh, Christian Kirk, by the way, on in the, Philly, in the Philly. Okay, yep. On the on the, on the game broadcast, I always keep track of every drive and you know number of plays, the number of yards. And then I always write down the number of explosive plays on every drive. And it's amazing how the drives that are scoring drives all have either one, two, or multiple explosive plays. That's how you score in this league. And what we – many people have different definitions of explosive plays. Mine has always been pretty simple. A run of 10-plus and then a pass reception of 15-plus. That's that's an explosive play. Some people have twelve and then sixteen as the kind of the the bar, uh, the bars for both of those categories. But I mean, however you do it, explosive plays are always the key to getting to getting good offense and scoring points. And a lot of people will say, oh, you know, be conservative, run the ball, move the chains. Well, I mean, that's fine in theory, but it's not very common that you can continue to string plays together because it's hard to do that. Explosives. Make the wheels go on the bu- the wheels on the bus go round and round, JP. Yeah. And you, you can, didn't know that. And you can flip the field. You know, if you get a forty <laughs> yarder, boom, you're all of a sudden in deep in their territory. He doesn't have any kids. I get it. He doesn't I have mean, any kids. You know, so he never had any kids. Joe doesn't either. So you know, you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. 
I was a kid once. I well, do remember. Well, Joe, I mean, Joe will stay at home and eat Cheetos and watch <laughs> kids programming sometimes, so he probably knows. Your point is uh, an explosive play can flip the field, and, and, you know, instead of three or four carry, boom, you're 20 yards and you're into their territory, and here we go. And, and the disappointing thing, I think, from a Jaguars explosive play standpoint this past game is that there was one play in particular that wasn't it was an explosive play, but it wasn't as explosive as it should have been. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No. Really? Which one? Tell us, Lodge, The Travis please. Etienne play for like 48, 49 yards. It looked like he had the step at first, and then the safety kind of came over and cut off the angle at the end. What happened there? Okay, well, no? I mean, what has Travis Etienne always been through high school and college? Fast. The fastest guy right. on the field. Mm-hmm. Has he ever had to face guys that run to same speed as him? Probably not. Not much, no. if, if at all, right? right, right. So when Travis has been in the open field before like that, he didn't have to do anything different but then just run. If if he does something, and, you, and when you talk to Fred Taylor this week, okay, because I know you've got some things going on with pre and post. Always. Okay. You need to ask Fred. It's on countdown to kickoff. That starts at noon on the Jaguars radio network there each Sunday before kick. Yes. You need to ask Fred what he could have done differently on that run. And Fred will tell you two things. Mm. One, he could have threatened the cutback or the, the as he was running, which would have been the defender's left shoulder. He could have threatened the defender's left shoulder to make him turn his hips in some fashion to slow down. Or he could have given him the old Fred Taylor dead leg which makes him kind of stutter for a second and then just kept on rolling and accelerated away from him. It would have been a house call. But a learning experience for a young player. Even though he's in his second year, this is essentially Travis's rookie year. But that could have, should have been, I think, a touchdown. Can they but run? he had a great game, by the way. Right. Okay, there it is. Yeah, we're watching okay, it on right, jaguars.com. Right there. Just stutter. Do anything to disrupt the, the defensive back safety from just running flat out. That's all you had to do. I mean, he, he beautifully blocked, by the way, which Christian Kirk got a phenomenal block. The safety inserts, he comes in late, and Christian Kirk goes in there and digs him out. He actually gets two blocks on the play because he blocks the safety, and then he actually blocks, well, the backside linebacker kind of runs into him, but it still goes down as a second block. I mean, Kudos to the wide receivers. I thought they had an excellent blocking day. Another long run in the game that Travis Etienne had. It was Zay Jones that got a really nice block, digging a safety out. That one, it was Christian Kirk. And, by the way, the tight ends, Manhurts. Manhurts is doing a great job blocking. The 61-yarder by Jermichael Hasty. Chris Manhurts absolutely manhandled the guy on that side of the line of scrimmage, and also uh, the backup tight end, Luke Farrell, did a great job. And uh, there was an unbalanced look. He had the two tackles over there. Cam did a great job, him and Jawan. So, I mean, it, I love the way they're blocking right now up front, and that's why another reason why I feel really good about this game because I, I the Giants have two pretty good players on the inside. Linebackers, eh. Guys on the edge, eh, against the run. 
I think the Jaguars will be able to have some success. And, JP, what's the best way to hit explosive plays as an offense? The most successful way of hitting explosives. It's a quiz. Right, well, I'm testing you, your football knowledge. Well, I mean, well, tell me. Why don't you just tell us the answer? You're not going to try to guess? No. Play action. Thank you. All right. So you run the ball with success, play action. Tom Coughlin was said that all for years. JP, you didn't pay attention? Doug Marone said that for years. Doug Peterson will tell you, play action. Play action. I like it. But you have to establish the run to make the play action bite. You don't have to, you don't have to dominate the run game for play action to work. But you have to have a realistic threat yeah. of a run game for play action to work. And that's all you need. And Travis Etienne right now, I guarantee you, coordinators around the league that are preparing for the Jaguars are respecting and honoring number one skill set, which is going to allow some play action to happen. Got to hit them. Got to hit those open guys, too. That's the next step, which we've, uh, no we've doubt. seen a little bit earlier in the season. Hey, plenty ahead. We'll uh, come back in just a little bit with the injury report. Whenever it comes out officially, has not come out yet from the uh, Jaguars PR staff as of this afternoon. We'll get you the latest when we do have it, though. And then at 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. Jaguars head coach will join us. We'll get his thoughts on this matchup against the team he knows very well, of course. An old division rival in the NFC East, the New York Giants coming to town to face uh, Peterson and his new team now, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Check out the official Jaguars podcast network. It's free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download pods. Of course, this show is archived, the uh, Huddle Up podcast, the Ozone podcast, and plenty more. Give us that five-star rating as always. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. PRI Productions, the Southeast full-service event company, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIProductions.com and learn more. And welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour on a Thursday. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. The Giants and the Jags coming up this Sunday at TIAA Bank Field. 1 o'clock, the kickoff time. And of course, we'll have the uh, Publix tailgate show at 10 o'clock and then countdown to kick off on the network at noon. And we'll hear from Bob Papa this week, the Giants play-by-play announcer. He's been the voice of the Giants since, I believe, 95. Golf Channel, he's all over the place. Yeah, and, and he uh, lives here. Yeah, so we're excited to, to catch up with him. The full podcast coming up uh, so did he just Did he just drive in and do the interview no, with you? Did, no, he did not. No. He, he's a... Uh, since 95, right? I believe so. Yeah. And uh, he lives in our area, yeah. which is pretty wild. Yeah. So, uh, but golf involved, so he's got a lot going on on both sides. So, yeah, well, good for him. It. He's he's an excellent broadcaster. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll get his insight to the Giants coming up on uh, the official Jaguars podcast network and on Countdown to Kickoff coming up uh, a little bit later uh, this weekend. So, the uh, – Jacksonville Jaguars injury report. It has not come out officially today yet. I've not seen Thursday's update, but here's what we had yesterday. Jamal Agnew did not practice yesterday with a knee issue. Uh, Shaq Griffin was out with a back issue, and as we said at the start of the show, he was off to the side, at least in the open part of practice today, on an exercise bike on the side, was not in the stretch today. For the Jags, uh, there were four players limited yesterday. Foley Fadakasi with the quadriceps. 
Uh, Devon Hamilton, a foot issue. We heard from him earlier on this show. Marvin Jones Jr. with a hamstring limited. He's feeling good, he said, in the locker room today. And then Foye Luokan with a calf injury was uh, limited yesterday. Calf or quad? Uh, calf, it says, for Foye Luokan. Oh, Foye, yeah, yeah, yeah. For Foley Fadakasi's got the quad, yep. So when we get the Thursday update, we'll uh, pass that along as well. But uh, there you have it. So first few weeks, at least, the Jaguars were, I mean, historically clean on the injury well, And report. they're still pretty healthy. I yeah. mean, it, it really, you know, knock on wood, you know, they've been pretty healthy, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. They have been. And, but, you know, if, if they can get, if they can get Foley Fadokasi back in there on the defensive line, that was, that was a huge part of the first couple of weeks of this defense. I oh, think. he's, he's just, he's strong as hell. I mean, he's, he can, he's a two gap defender. You know, that's, you know, not, not to say that he's on par with Marcus Stroud and John Henderson, you know, for some of the Jaguar fans that, that watch those in their heyday, but those guys, we used to call them. You know, three gap defenders because they could essentially take care of three gaps by themselves. And Fadakasi, I think, is close to that. And he's he can take care of his gap when he's strong enough and stout enough. He can throw a, a blocker to the side and then come over and, and make a play in another gap or two gaps over sometimes. And so he, he uh, I think, is uh, – and then also I think he can push the pocket on some early downs as a pass rusher, and that, that always helps. So getting him back, if they do, in fact, get him back – would be a, a really nice little return for the defense. A couple other guys we'll get to here. Jamal Agnew, that's key for a number of reasons. If he's unable to go with a knee issue, and um, he said he did it on the end around, the handoff kind of thing is where he felt it. So, uh, hey, that, that affects the kickoff return and the punt return game as well. Well, and I think you're, the kickoff return game, you can find a way to make that okay. I mean, you're not going to have the skill set back there of what Jamal Agnew was giving you. I'm not trying to say that you're, you're, you know, that's going to be even, but a lot of times the kicks are going out of the end zone and you're not even getting a return out of it anyway. So that doesn't, I think, impact the game as much as not having him as a punt returner. Number one is securing the, the catch. And with Agnew, you trust him incredibly because he's going to catch the ball and hold on to the ball. And when you go to somebody – that's the next man up in the punt return, sometimes it's not always the most dependable or somebody that's at the level that you trust. And so it will be interesting to see who they put back there and what are their, what are their instructions. Are their instructions going to be bring it back or are their instructions going to be, hey, just make the catch. <laughs> or, or just let it go, whatever it is. Right. I mean, because – um, Heath Farwell, the special teams coordinator in, in training camp, right before the season, uh, I think I asked him, is he a green light guy? Does Agnew get the green light anytime he wants? He's pretty much, yeah. Basically, well, they trust if he him. can see it, they trust him enough to, to take it out. Yeah, they, they trust him to make the right decision. I would guess there's nobody else on the roster that gets that. I don't know. In my opinion. Well, I mean, yeah. Maybe. Probably, we just haven't seen maybe it. Maybe not. Yet. Maybe not. Maybe so. I mean, we don't. Haven't really seen it. I don't know that. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, he's going to be okay, though, Jamal Agnew, and, and can get back sooner rather than later because he has, I think, provided a boost to the offense. And we really haven't seen the magic in the return game yet this year out of him. But uh, all it takes is one touch with him. It's true. Yeah, one little crease, and there he goes for 109 or whatever he wants. <laughs> and perfect example. You remember in the game 
Agnew's out. He's on the sideline, helmet in hand. And we're like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Well, Chris Claybrooks goes back for the kickoff return. Fields the kickoff return, starts going up the field, and runs right into one of his own guys. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just like, oh, gosh. Ah, oh, man, that's oh, not boy. what you wanted. So, uh, and Claybrooks has been a pretty decent, you know, returner so far. He's been okay. But uh, that one, uh, I don't think Jamal would have ran into his own guy. One other uh, injury that we need to discuss, and it's the one that uh, led off this show and I'm sure is leading off many this week, it's Shaquille Griffin. The back issue and, of course, did not practice yesterday. Uh, was off to the side today, as we mentioned. No official word on his status today. But coming off the game last week and now on the report this week, if he's unable to go, how do they shake up the secondary here? Well, for, first and foremost, it's, it's never a good look when you have a, a tough game and then you come and you've got an injury you always want to have guys that come back and are ready to go to bounce back etc but look I've learned one thing in football and that you never you never kind of assume anything when it comes to injuries I mean injuries are real in in football and so I'm not questioning whether he's hurt or not this is not a situation that we had a couple years ago yeah with somebody that were Jamal Ramsey. Okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey. Let's just go back. ahead and get it out there. I mean, yeah. when Jalen had this mysterious back injury, this I don't believe this is it. Okay, this is nothing like that. And uh, so what do they do if Shaq doesn't go? My guess would be Trey Herndon has done a good job in the past. I think that uh, Darius Williams could be a guy that moves out to corner on base downs, but since he's been playing a ton of nickel, when I say the nickel, so when they go three corners, he's in the slot, and he's extremely athletic, which typically that's where you see the athletic guys is in the slot. My guess is that he would probably stay in the slot, and then you'll bring Trey Herndon out to play corner or maybe Clay Brooks. I mean, Trey Herndon probably because he's been pretty good when he's had the opportunity to be out there. And then you keep rolling. You know, you keep rolling. But And I've got confidence in Trey Herndon. He's done a good job here before. He's a better zone player than he is a man player. And, we, and you go back to when Todd Walsh was coaching this defense, they actually had two different nickel packages. Hmm. They had a nickel package when they wanted to play zone. Trey Herndon was the nickel. When they wanted to play man, they put in Claybrooks. Claybrooks was your nickel, and it was kind of a, a tip, right, for the oppose, opposing offenses because you've got different personnel based on whether you want to play man or zone, but that's where they felt the most confident that they could have success as a defense back then. So uh, I think they'll be fine in the back end, and I hope Shaq bounces back because I thought last year he played very well. He had a couple good games this year. He had a couple games that weren't so good. Got to get him healthy and back out there and back on the field. Got to get him point. right. We'll see. Uh, once we have the update officially, we'll bring that to you. But uh, if you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
We're back to wrap it up in a moment. And then at the top of the hour, the Doug Peterson Show. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Mike Dempsey and Fat Tony. Jaguars today. All Jaguars, all NFL, all the time. 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. And if you're watching on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Lagerman is huge on all of those platforms. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're watching at any of those places, it's a live look at the Miller Electric Center. Right outside TIAA Bank Field, the construction continues. The framing of the indoor facility is about done, it looks like. We saw some photos from inside there earlier this week on social media from the first downtown Jacksonville people, and uh, they do a great job, of course. And uh, the construction is scheduled to be finished and ready to roll, and the Jaguars to move in by training camp of next summer, this coming summer, 23. Looking forward to that. What a what a beautiful day outside as well, oh, by the way. Last couple days. See, we, see, we get stuck in this. We're in the offices beautiful. here at the bank, right? And we're, like, we're in a cave. There's yeah. no windows in here. Yeah, you could be in here eight hours and not even know, you know, what time of day it is. It could. I think it's 2 a.m. right now. I have no idea. I haven't walked outside since apparently this morning. Yeah, I can tell. The sun you look, was coming you look, up. You look a little pasty. Uh, yeah, it's it's what it is. Um, you know, you need a little vitamin D every now and again, JP. You should get out more. I walked out to practice today. That's the only reason I know there's the sun shining. Mm-hmm. And our look live at the, uh, at the Miller Electric Center. Oh, is that what you do? You go out there and just look at it? No, no, we just took a look. No, I know, the, but you go out there and get some sun and just look at it? Well, sometimes when I come down from lunch, I'll take the outside route right above it. But we're getting a little too into the weeds, as they say uh, now. All right. Uh, anyway, it's going to be anyway. cool. Looking forward to that. The uh, Giants-Jaguars game presented by Florida Blue. Florida's Blue Cross and Blue Shield Company has been providing health insurance to residents of Florida for more than 75 years, driven by its mission of helping people and communities achieve better health. Learn more at FloridaBlue.com. Giants are five and one. The Jaguars are two and four, and the Jags have dropped three in a row after a two and one start. Both of these teams have been in games in the fourth quarter a lot of the year. The Giants have won those games. The Jaguars, for the most part, have not been able to finish those games out. Get a win this week. Hey, three and four headed to London, home away from home next week to face a, a limping Broncos offense at Wembley. If a limp w- offense, yeah, the limping team as a whole. Uh, yeah, but we'll get to that game next week. But you'll feel a whole lot better if you can just snap it now, then get on the plane and head like over. The, to the the biggest question but, mark in the league right now uh, is the Denver Broncos yeah. being run by Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, and, and Russell and Wilson Russell, at the helm. He's got a hamstring, a shoulder. He's got everything going. Uh, on right yeah, now. and just got a big deal that has, I think, ties him to that organization for the next, you know, counting this year or the next three years. And they don't have a choice but uh, to have him as their quarterback. And he's not playing very well. Started the game out the other night. I think ten of ten or something like that was pretty good, but then just kind of failed for the rest of the game. Uh, not. Not a good situation to be in, and with new ownership in in Denver, it will be interesting to see how much patience that they have. Yeah, Denver is 30th in the league on third down on offense this year and 22nd in total offense. That's not so good now. Last time I checked, that's uh, that's not so good. 
We'll get to that, of course, next week before the uh, Jaguars hop on the plane and head to London. The uh, Giants, on the other hand, are right there at the top of the league, near the top in rushing offense. They've got Saquon Barkley. They've got confidence. They've got a, a, a head coach who gets the most out of what he has to offer. They've got a defense that attacks, and they're winning football games. Well, and they're they're they beat some good teams now. They beat Green Bay in London, right? That was their London game. Correct. Yes. They and beat like, st- like he, uh, Aaron Rodgers had the ball in his hand with a chance to go down the field, and they they ended it. Beat Tennessee, you beat the Baltimore Ravens. Those are those are three good football teams. Dallas is a pretty good football team. So I mean, they've got some nice wins. And the, the impressive thing I think about the Giants is that Brian Dable, who's their head coach, has gotten I think a a lot of credit for what they're doing, and as he should. If you look at where he's been, he's won where he's been. He won Super Bowls with the Patriots. He goes with Nick Saban for a year. They win a national title. And then he, many people point to Josh Allen, who's the the quarterback, Josh Allen, of the Buffalo Bills. They point to Brian Dable as one of the keys in his development. And he is getting the best out of the best from a quarterback in New York who has struggled who they did not pick up his fifth-year option because they felt that Daniel Jones was not going to be a franchise guy or they felt it wasn't worth the risk of paying him or picking up that option year. But right now, and I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is a great quarterback, and I'm not saying he's a franchise guy, or, but I can tell you this, Brian Dable has him playing better than he has in the past, and that's all you can do as a coach is to get the most out of your players. And right now he's getting the most – out of Daniel Jones, more so than anybody has ever gotten out of him. He uses le- his legs a good bit in this uh, attack, of course. Yeah, here, here's an example of that. ability to run. Here, here's an example of that, and I was shocked when I was looking at these numbers because you know, Saquon Bar- Barkley is getting the most carries per game of any running back in the National Football League, but Daniel Jones, to himself, he has 47 carries on the season. 47 carries. <laughs> Okay, right. let's compare that to Trevor, right. who has 20. Yeah. Okay, 47. And six of those came last week. 20, exactly. Yeah. So the previous season high for Daniel Jones in carries was going back to 2020, which was 65. Okay, he's got 47 now. That puts him on pace right now of having 133, which would more than double his previous season high of rushes. That's staggering. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is who's he going to throw the ball to? They don't have big-name receivers out there. To th- his, his high watermark in passing yards this year is 217 yards. That was in London against Green Bay, and he was 21 of 27 in that game, and they don't throw it to those guys. No, and the interesting part is if, if you look at who's at the top of of his receptions, you got a, a running back and a tight end. <laughs> That's something, right? Okay, yeah. you got Barkley, who's leading receiver with 21 catches. And then Bellinger, is it Bellinger or Bellinger? He's a rookie tight end, and he's a good player now. Uh, fourth round pick out of San Diego State. He's a good player, good blocker, good all around player. He is right up there with 15 catches. So he's third. So if you're looking at it from top down, Barkley leads with 21. James is second, and that's Richie James. He's a wide receiver from Middle Tennessee State. He's second with 19 catches. And then Bellinger, the tight end, is next with 15 catches. I mean, that's kind of weird, right? A running back and a tight end, two of your top three receptions leaders, 
uh, for your quarterback and compare that to the Jaguars where you have Zay Jones at the top, Christian Kirk in second, Evan Ingram, and then Marvin Jones. So three out of your top four are wide receivers. Wow. Very different that's offenses, totally right? That's a different feel. Yeah. And so it's this offense that the New York Giants run, it's 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 obviously revolves around Saquon Barkley as a runner but also as a receiver. They're trying to throw a lot of high percentage underneath kind of short stuff because they feel like that that's important to the growth of Daniel Jones and the success of their offense. Is that sustainable for the long haul for them, though? Well, we'll see. I think it's a great question. Uh, It's worked before, but uh, if you look at the history of Daniel Jones and new coaches, typically after a while, I don't want to say they figure things out, but people start to adjust. And uh, hopefully this Jaguars defense can adjust because this past game they struggled. You know who likes to see the Giants on the schedule? Doug Peterson. He's eight and two against them as a head coach Ooh. with the Philadelphia Eagles. Pretty what good. do you want to? What do you want to hear from Doug tonight on his program? Uh, you know it's kind of interesting because when when you face the Giants, first of all, it's one of the storied franchises in the NFL. You know, I wanted to know if he watched them as a kid because I, I grew up watching the Giants. Did you? They were on, sure. Okay, who, and then who were they? Who they was were it? good. I that mean, it was, was Eli Sims. and no, Coughlin no, for you, right? No, no, no. It was. So those were my later days. I mean, it was <laughs> Sims, and they hit the you know the Bills missed the field goal, and yeah. All that. I I remember you know growing up because the Redskins were my dad and his friends' team. They they watched every Sunday, but I just remember Lawrence Taylor terrorizing left tackle Joe Jacoby. And Lawrence Taylor was the most dominant player maybe ever in NFL history as far as defense goes. And uh, Parcells and Carl Banks, they had some really good players on that defense. Jim Burt, Leonard Marshall, some of those guys I played with. Once I got in the national, been around a while. Yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, it's what it is. My first preseason game ever. Walked out of the tunnel. Lawrence Taylor was standing right there, and I went and looked at him. I went, "Oh my God, that's Lawrence Taylor." You both wore fifty. Lawrence Taylor. Both wore fifty-six in New York. Yeah, he wore it a lot better than I did. (laughs) Coming up, the Doug Peterson Show. That'll do it for Jaguars Happy Hour. Of course, tonight on television, Jaguars All Access live from Strings Brewery in Springfield on Fox Thirty. Josh Allen, I believe Travis Etienne is the guest tonight. Jaguars running back. The Doug Peterson Show is coming up next. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on Jaguars Radio.